Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Hello and welcome to our new short format servings of consciously prepared brain food designed to improve your mental fitness. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, your host. For more than 12 years, we've been proudly and consistently crafting Harvesting Happiness and sharing it with you. Each week, we spotlight diverse thinkers and doers who are contemporary trendsetters and change agents devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. We invite you to listen up and change the way you think about human happiness. Our award-winning content is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Alrighty then, let's dive in. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. Thanks for joining me on today's show where you will learn about retirement or reinvention. Designing Our Wisdom Years with my guest, Steve Lopez. Let's get to it. He is the author of Independence Day, what I learned about retirement from some who've done it and some who never will. Steve Lopez is a Los Angeles Times columnist, four-time Pulitzer Prize finalist, and best-selling author. He has been a columnist for Time Magazine, the Philadelphia Inquirer, San Jose Mercury News, and Oakland Tribune. He is the winner of more than a dozen national journalism awards, including the H. L. Mencken, Ernie Pyle, and Mike Royko Awards. Lopez has written three novels and a best-selling nonfiction book entitled The Soloist, which was the subject of a DreamWorks movie by the same name. His latest book, is Independence Day, what I learned about retirement from some who've done it and some who never will. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, thanks. It's good to be with you as you read that resume. It sounds like a lot of work. Shouldn't I be about now taking a break from all that? I don't know. You tell me. You and I talked about how we're the types that might never fully take a break. Yes. Well, you know, as the pandemic was hitting, I was thinking about uh, whether that might have been a, a good time to um, to you know go off into the sunset. I'm I'm um, as I speak to you in this year in which I will turn seventy. Oof. I have been a journalist. I've been a why you said oof. I go oof because on, that's, that's, that's a, a big milestone. Like I'm approaching well, sixty, and I go oof. That's a big milestone. I can't believe it. All right, well, well, I have a bigger oof at, at seventy, but. Um, you know, I started to think that as I, I, I love my work, I really feel lucky and privileged to do it. But I've been doing it for half a century, and so I thought, what about those other things that I that I want to do that I've never had the time to do? And I also was thinking, um, am I going to be one of those people? And you always hear about these folks who wait and plan their their retirement lives, and when they finally uh, pull the cord. Um, they're hobbled. There's a health problem. There's a cognitive issue. They're taking care of an elderly loved one, that kind of thing. And they never get to, they never get to live that dream. And I, I, I thought I should examine how to, how to figure out when to make the move. And so I did what I do. I spent a year interviewing people who were happily retired and miserably retired. And the goal was um, that within a year, I should know enough about what questions to ask, what things to consider, to be able to make my own decision on what I want to do. So that's what the book is about. It's kind of a roadmap to um, figuring out how to decide when it's time to go and what to do next. So what did this exploration 
teach you about yourself? Well, it taught me, among other things, that I mentioned that I'm lucky and I really do feel that way because uh, not a lot of people do what they love to do. I mean, a lot of people do jobs because they're jobs and there are a lot of people who can't wait for retirement. What I learned in examining all of these issues was that in my case, you know, the equation was complicated by the fact that I really enjoy what I do. And I really worried that, you know, is this this job of mine where I look at a blank page and I've got to create something, is that oxygen? Is that what's keeping me alive, having to keep those creative juices flowing and having to stay focused and pay attention on the affairs of, to the affairs of the day and make sense of them and, and offer perspective? Is that oxygen? And if I walk away, am I, am I going to suffocate? And I talked to, among other people, two Hollywood legends in their 90s who are still working um, and working, um, you know, as, as much as ever to see how they felt about that. One was Mel Brooks and the other was Norman Lear. And, um, you know, they, Norman Lear said, look, he wakes up and he still has things he's got to get to. And as long as something's <laughs> pulling you out of bed, get to it. And Mel Brooks said, you know, so you love it, but you think you want to try other things. Why not do both? Why not go to your bosses and say, I love this. Thank you very much. I'd like to do less of it and spend a little more time at recess, which in the end is what I ended up doing. But those were the considerations for me. It was, um, that was my conflict. It's I really like what I do, but I haven't had the time to do other things that I might like just as well. Um, so <clears throat> in my new life, which is this sort of Mel Brooks hybrid plan, um, I'm living the best of both worlds at the moment. So you're getting to play, getting to go to recess and doing those things that make you feel most alive professionally. And I would dare say that when we do those things that make us feel most alive, that we're passionate about in our work, that cognitively it keeps the brain flowing as well in a good way. Well, I, I think that that's, I think that that's true to, um, you know, when I, when I asked among the many people, um, who I interviewed for this book, most of them from, you know, just ordinary jobs, they're not Mel Brooks and, and Norman Lear. Um, one was a rabbi by the name of Naomi Levy, um, who told me, you know what? She said, some people need structure and you make, she, she said that I might be somebody who needs structure and I better build that into if that's the case, I better build that into my retirement plan. Um, if I'm one of those people who gets a little bit, you know, jittery and antsy when there's nothing that you have to do, you might want to you might want to rethink this. And she also said that if you're one of those people who is thinking, oh, I know what I'm going to do when I retire, I'm going to learn how to fly airplanes, or I'm going to take care of the grandchildren more, or I'm going to I'm going to volunteer at this this uh, this charity. Um, it might be wise. Rabbi Levy said to sample those dreams before you take the plunge. <laughs> take a taste test. <laughs> to make, to make, yes, sample the dream. Make sure that you, that's going to be fulfilling because, you know, if you have a life in which you have purpose and structure and you're connected to something, you're going to miss that if you don't build that kind of a future for yourself. The way that Nancy Schlossberg put it, she's in her 90s in Florida. Um, she said, look, we all have this need to matter. And in your job, whether you're a nurse um, 
whether you're a teacher, whether you're, um, you know, stringing power lines, you matter to somebody and you're expected to be there on time and to do your job. And you want to build a future for yourself in which you matter. And I think that's that's really, really key um, in, in planning a healthy and happy retirement. I think you've hit the nail on the head about the need to matter. And if we don't do those things that we do in our careers that that bring us joy, that bring us a sense of, of, of passion, purpose, place, and meaning, and we decide to retire or we stop working full time, if we don't have a replacement for that experience, whatever that is, right? We end up in a state of, I think, depression. Yes, and it's a state in which you begin to wonder about your own identity. Yeah. As Nancy Schlossberg did. She was a professor at the University of Maryland and, and elsewhere and um, uh, taught psychology and thought she knew enough about how to make a successful transition and discovered that she didn't because she she moved to what had been her vacation getaway with her husband. Um, she lost her husband. She didn't have a network of a, a social network built there. Um, and she began in her in this new phase, um, entirely unplanned and unexpected, um, wondering who she was. Um, and she said if, if she had business cards, she wouldn't know what to put on them. And so you got to have something of a plan, but you also have to accept the reality that plans go awry and that, you know, post work is like um, your, your, your career when you are working. Um, things come at you that you don't expect. There's a storm. The roof blows off the house. Yeah. You lose somebody you love, um, and you've got to you've got to roll with it. So have a plan, but anticipate, of course, that plans do go awry. I have an uncle who is 85, who is a licensed contractor, that said he cannot imagine not working. You know, his life has been all about getting up at five in the morning and out the door by six and on a job site and running construction jobs that he absolutely cannot imagine what his life would be like without that. And I get it. Yeah, well, I say good for him, number one. And number two, is he available? (laughs) I have some work. (laughs) I I have some work I need to get done. And right now it's really hard, especially with the storms in California. You can't get people to fix your roof because everybody's roof is leaking. Hilarious. Right now. If he does roof, I'll fly him out here and I'll. I'll hire He's him down in the desert. The He's down in the desert. He's well, close. He's not too far. Well, yeah, you know, um, I, I encountered a lot of people like that who told me that they couldn't imagine retiring, and one of them in particular stands out. He's a, a priest by the name of uh, Gregory Boyle. Oh, and, is that um, Father Boyle? Yes. Was it Proud Boys? Homeboys. Homeboys. Sorry, not Proud Boys. Homeboys, right? (laughs) You got it. You got got it. got my boys mixed up. And you know what? (laughs) Yes, quite a different set of boys. (laughs) Um, But Father Greg, for those who aren't familiar, has been running this this program in Los Angeles in which uh, former gang members who've done some prison time and want to redirect their lives, that's the first stop. And um, he helps them reshape their own lives with a two-year training program and skills training, and they move from there to jobs. And there have been thousands, literally thousands of success stories. And he loves his work, and he happens to be exactly my age. 
and I've known him for a while. And I went to him and I said, you ever think about retirement? He said, no, why? And I said, I'm thinking about it. And, um, you know, all these other things that I've wanted to do. And he looked at me and, and he, 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 I think was a little surprised to hear it because he knows how much I enjoy my work and he knows I'm engaged in, you know, civic issues and questions about governance and people's lives and how policy impacts people. And he was a little surprised. And he said, no, he said, I'm not going to retire. Jesuits retire in the graveyard. And I said, well, you know, do you have any Only one way out for me or other? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any advice? I mean, whether people are working or thinking of retiring and his advice, um, these are words that resonate. Um, he said, you have to go where life is and do what replenishes you. Oh. And in his case, his work is where life is, and he is replenished by it. And I think, you know, whatever your line of work, whatever your line of leisure, those are those are wise words. I, think. I, I couldn't agree more. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation with my guest today, Steve Lopez. We're talking about his book, Independence Day, what I learned about retirement from some who've done it and some who never will. To connect and learn more, please go to the LATimes.com under the People section and look up Steve Lopez on Twitter at LAT Steve Lopez and on Facebook, that's Steve.Lopez.Independence. Here comes the pause. We'll be right back. Just a second here. Before we take that break, I want to remind everyone that spring is in the air. And this season, it's all about growth and renewal. And that means it's time for a self-care reset starting at the scalp. Way offers a complete hair care solution that promotes fuller looking, healthier feeling, and happier hair for everyone. I'm a big fan of Way's hair care products. The shampoo, conditioner, and scalp serum have really improved the look and feel of my hair that's been stressed by time and hormones. I've made Way an integral part of my self-care routine for the past several months, and I'm seeing and feeling an improvement in my overall hair health. This means a clearer scalp and stronger strands. Way is an easy and effective go-to hair and scalp health regime because good hair care demands more than just styling. Treat yourself, your scalp, and your hair with the same attention you give to your face. Way's anti-dandruff shampoo is formulated with salicylic acid that has been 100% clinically proven to fight flakes and soothe scalps. The detox shampoo gives hair and scalp a squeaky clean reset that cleanses away product buildup. Way's Scalp Serum is a leave-in product used on wet or dry hair that soothes irritation by hydrating and balancing the scalp. Way helps to improve overall hair health with beauty-boosting ingredients that support thicker, shinier, and beautiful-looking tresses. Upgrade your spring hair care routine today with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code HH for 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, code H-H. Now let's take that break. We'll be right back. Each day we have the intellectual freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable, regardless of external circumstance. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, urge them to seek professional support because good psychological health is vital in achieving a satisfying life. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for psychosocial educational resources to boost emotional and social intelligence. 
Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness? Sharing is caring. Pay it forward by spreading the word to your tribe through social media. Find us at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook and me at Lisa Kamen on Twitter. And we're back continuing the conversation with my guest today, Steve Lopez. We're talking about retirement or reinvention, designing our wisdom years. Let's get back to it. So Steve, in the prior segment, we were talking about many people who have chosen not to retire or have gone to a bit of a hybrid plan like yourself. What about those who have done it? And what did your research and your interviews tell you about these characters? Well, I think, first of all, the people who are, are thrilled with being away from work and doing what they dreamed about doing, first of all, have some financial security. And that, of course, is a, obviously a big factor in you know a successful retirement. I unfortunately know next to nothing about money and investment and all of that, which is why my book focused on the spiritual side of retirement rather than the financial. And one thing I did in lining up a number of people to find those who were unhappy as well as those who are quite pleased about the way retirement has worked out is I wrote a guest column for the newspaper at the Leisure World south of Los Angeles, (laughs) which is home to thousands of residents, almost all of them retired and many of them and the others near retirement. And I, they let me do a guest column in which I said, Hey, I could be your neighbor soon. I'm thinking about retirement please tell me about your experiences. I need to go to school on what you've learned. And I heard from a spectrum of people. I mean, I have pen pals still from that engagement who um, are keeping me posted on how it's going. And you had people who were isolated and depressed and, you know, they, they, their nest egg shriveled up in a hurry and they're not very happy. And then you have one who comes to mind when you ask about successful retirement. I could not get hold of it. I left messages. I did I didn't hear back. And then one day I, I call and she answers the phone and says hello and I confirmed that it was who I was after. And I heard two way radio in the background and it sounded like marine chatter. I used to have a boat, I shared a sailboat with some buddies and so I, the, the, the marine chatter was familiar to me. It's like, you know, Coast Guard stuff and storm warning stuff. And I said, where are you? And she said, I'm on my boat with my husband off the coast of California. They had both set their minds to retiring early. They both worked their tails off. They, they got themselves a pretty, you know, ample nest egg and they, they got their boat. And one of their plans was to cruise up and down the coast of California. And I said, well, how is it out there? And she said, it's fabulous. She said, you know, we just bumped into a, a crew from a fishing boat. They tossed us fresh catch of the day. So sunset's coming up. We are going to enjoy a sunset <laughs> cocktail as we bob off the coast of San Diego and then grill this fish for dinner. And she said um, that it was exactly, the retirement was exactly what they had planned for and hoped it would be. And her advice to me, she was not bashful, was, Get out now. Do it while you can, while you're young enough to enjoy the things that you want to do. And so, you know, they they planned it. They worked for it. They got it. They're happy with it. And I think that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people out there who have the financial security and are doing what they want to do 
they've got it yeah. made. I have uh, an aunt. What what is with my relatives and their ages? But I do have a, an aunt that I had participated in the caregiving until the end of her life. She passed when she was 97. She worked for the United Nations for 40 some odd years as a staff counselor, but she was retired longer than her career at the UN. And I think that the pensioners, <laughs> the, the, the people that manage the pension fund didn't bank on that for her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I know what you mean. Now I was going to say she had a great, she had a great life. You know, one of her greatest pleasures was getting on her tractor. She lived on a large parcel of land and get out there and uh, tend to her land. It was amazing. That sounds like a wonderful life. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I had wanted to do in retirement. Well, I I, I have some interests that I have not been able to pursue um, to the degree that I would would have liked because work was busy and fulfilling and. I also, you know, have a a daughter who's uh, 19, so there was family stuff to tend to. But I always thought that I wanted to spend more time learning language. My mother's family is from Italy. My father's family is from Spain, which is how I got the name Lopez. And I speak some decent Spanish, but wanted to learn Italian. And it's hard to do that when you're working full time to learn two languages. And I also love to cook. And I do a lot of cooking, but I've never had any training. And I, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to, to, to live in, say, Barcelona or somewhere in Sicily for a while and study food and language? And the other thing that I always wanted to do was uh, to study music, either the piano or the guitar. And now that I have a little more time with my Mel Brooks hybrid work retirement plan, <laughs> I drag my dusty guitar out of the garage and I play the guitar every day. And so I'm doing, I guess what Rabbi Naomi Levy suggested, which was sample the dream. And I'm loving the dream. I'm loving the dream and and having a chance to do a little bit more of these things. I could see you going like to Italy, to Southern Italy and doing the language immersion and the cooking thing. And you could write. I mean, you could, you know, you could do all of it with the way the world is today. Now you're sounding like Norman Lear. Norman Lear told me, that in life, we are all in the hammock. We're in a hammock, and behind us is over. And what gets us out of that hammock is the next. And he said that for him, he's had 100 years. He's 100 years old. No, really? He's had 100. Wow. Exactly, yeah, 100 years old. He said he's had 100 years of nexts, um, plural next. To, to get him out of the hammock and go and do something. And he said, if you're a writer, you may be cursed. Um, and, you know, you may, you may find your, you, you may get over to Spain and you're doing all of these things. Maybe you're, you know, learning uh, flamenco dancing or whatever you're going to do. But how long is it going to be before you want to write about that? Yeah. And, you know, he said, as a, as a, a lot of people are carrying trades, that they might continue as as mentors or in a part-time capacity. And maybe I'm one of those people. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be long that I'm living in Barcelona um, or, or Rome before I get an idea for a travel piece or maybe a book. I hear you. I, I have a, a little bit of a sort of daydream and you have to take this with a grain of salt because I have a very vivid imagination and a lot of daydreams. And I was speaking to my fiance the other day. I said, what would happen if I got my trucker's license, made a little company called Mother Truckers and we get a rig 
and we just travel the country and I could interview people. (laughs) And he he eye rolled. He was like, oh my God, Lisa, this is crazy. And I'm like, well, think about it. Just think about it for a minute. It would be really cool. Well, listen, if he doesn't want to go out. You want to do it? Because I love that Mother truckers. Let's do it. We got a big rig. A big Winnebago, (laughs) like John Madden used to have when he was afraid to fly and he would cover NFL games. And he'd travel from one city to another in a big in a big Winnebago. That sounds like fun. Well, you got to have I the mean, payload, what's wrong right? Because you have to have the cash flow. So I'm thinking ahead, like I'm planning it out. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. You know, there's another guy who comes to mind who I interviewed who had been in law enforcement, and and I think this too is typical of people who who might not have it all figured out, but he's a, he's a gentleman who got out of law enforcement without a specific plan other than to stay busy and to not consider himself retired. Um, he told me that he does not use the R word. And when people ask him how he likes retirement, he takes offense. And I said, well, what do you do in a day? And he said, I get up and I make a list of the things that need to be done. And I look after a brother who needs some help and I think about what I'm going to cook and I think about new, you know, educational opportunities and I go for a run. And he said, I'm really, really busy and I'm, I don't have it all figured out, but I like that what I'm doing now um, keeps me occupied and focused. And he said, you know what? When I was in law enforcement, I met some attorneys that I really admired and I might want to I want, might, might want to become a, a law clerk. I don't think I have time to be an attorney, but how about a law clerk? And he said, I always love travel. And I'm thinking about, you know, becoming a flight attendant. This is what your 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 big rig yeah. idea makes me think of this guy, Peter. And it's like, you know, a way to pursue a passion, um, become a flight attendant. So here's a guy who I guess is in his 60s who's going to go to flight attendant school. And I love that, that people are thinking spontaneously, not just mapping it out and planning ahead, but thinking spontaneously about what's out there that that they might want to sample. I think that's a very healthy and fulfilling way for some people to to get through the next chapters of their lives. It's like the wisdom years become really the adventure years, right? You have all the knowledge. Well, not all. We're always seeking to know more. But you have the uh, benefit of the knowledge that you didn't have when you were in your 20s and 30s, right? And also the, the awareness of the preciousness of time. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, I'm, I'm looking at a photo of you right now on your website in which you are holding up a globe. And I'm looking at that globe thinking I see parts of Africa and South America and Asia and Europe. And I'm thinking are there all of these places that I, that I want to go to. There's so much exploring to do. And, you know, the possibilities in the next phase of your life are only as limited as your imagination. If you think like Peter does, yeah, I was in law enforcement. I might want to become a flight attendant. I just love that yeah. open to trying different things. I mean, there's nothing really to lose, right? The the Even the prospect of failure is an opportunity for growth at this point because you're not tied to the outcome, right? You're doing it for the, 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 the passion of, of the pursuit of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are in in my book people who would love to get to this point but can't, and we probably should acknowledge, I should acknowledge that many, many millions of people don't have this luxury of deciding what to do in retirement. They're not sure how they'll ever retire. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles where it's not uncommon for 
three generations to be sharing the same cramped quarters and working four or five or six jobs, you know, among them because housing is so expensive in LA and those frontline essential worker jobs are so, um, such low wage operations usually. And there's one gentleman in the book who thought he had his nest egg set and then he lost a big chunk of it in a market dip. And then he got a diagnosis of cancer and, um, even with Medicare and with supplemental coverage, the bills began to pile up and his nest egg had shrunk and he and his wife had planned to travel the world. And all of a sudden he finds himself desperate, knocking on doors, trying to find work of any sort when he's, you know, at an age where um, <laughs> it's hard to crack the workforce. Yeah. He, he now works at a checkout stand at a big, big box discount store near Disneyland. So, this is somebody who is, is dreaming, you know, where am I going to go and what am I going to do, but is not sure when he's going to get there. I think it's it's only right that I acknowledge that there are quite a few people like that yeah. who, um, who struggle just to get through the day, the week, the month, um, and, and might never enjoy um, the kinds of retirement that, that, that a lot of people think about. And I think that that dream is 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 waning for so many people, certainly for the younger generation. You know, I have young adult children who tell me like that they don't perceive that they will ever get to a place where they can completely get off the squirrel wheel the way the world has evolved. And that makes me sad for them. Yes. And, you know, it, it's my son's and daughter's generation. It's difficult to buy yes. a house. It's, it's difficult to build that nest egg. I have a son who lives in Connecticut and he and his, um, he and his, his girlfriend, they have good jobs and they work hard. And um, he was talking about, you know, maybe traveling to, to France on his next vacation. And I asked if he had booked the trip and he said, well, you know, it's one of those deals where you see, you see 499 round trip. And then you realize, well, if you want to select your seat in advance, and if you, you want to avoid paying for a carry on, now, all of a sudden, it's twice that price. And he said, we're going to Burlington. And <laughs> so his, his Paris vacation has become a Burlington vacation because he's minding his budget. And you're right. It's, um, I, I think we in this uh, boomer generation, I hate the word, I hate that B word, but um, it's, it's a reality. Um, we, we, many of us did okay. And I'm not so sure that those coming up behind us um, we'll, we'll enjoy some of the same um, advantages that we've had. I think, but the flip side of that, I know we're almost out of time, but this is such a good conversation. The flip side that I think our kids do have a good grasp of is the desire for their quality of life because they may not have the opportunities for financial abundance or a necessarily as secure a future as their parents or grandparents, they are more attuned to the kind of lives they want to live here and now, like that they don't want to sit in an office five days a week. They don't want to clock in and out. They're much more innovative in terms of how they work and where they work and why they work. Yes, and I, that you, that's, a, that's a good point. I was just going to make that point, but you made it for me. They're nimble. Yes. They're, yes. You know, my generation is you find a job and 35 years later, you get a fountain pen or a gold watch and you um, you go off to, I don't know, the uh, the Catskills for a, a couple of weeks to celebrate your retirement. Now, 
it's I think people move around. It's the nature of the economy has changed and people see themselves growing as the economy grows and, and making, you know, um, sidestepping and whatever is coming, whatever crisis is coming their way in the current economy to survive in the next. I think they're they're quite agile um, and, you know, many of them doing quite well. But, I, yeah, it's, it, I don't think we're going to see the same repeat of work for 10 years, save up, buy a house, um, retire in that house um, or, you know, move to Florida or somewhere. And um, it's but they're, you know, they're working with it and uh, they're survivors. I think they're they're quite um, they're quite good at accepting that the things are not going to be constant. And on that note, we need to we need to part, at least for now. My guest today has been Steve Lopez. He is the author of Independence Day, What I Learned About Retirement from Some Who've Done It and Some Who Never Will. To connect with Steve Lopez, please do so at the LATimes.com under People Steve Lopez, on Twitter at LAT Steve Lopez, and on Facebook at Steve.lopez.com independence. Steve, come back and hang out and talk more about this with me because this is such a a good subject. You know, even if you're not of the age, like our ages, it's still the thought experiment of what one might do is definitely worthy of conversation. Well, I'd be happy to do that again. I've enjoyed this quite a bit and thank you for having me. Oh, me too. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen on behalf of my guest, Steve Lopez, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Please go out and rock your day and remember to be kind to one another. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes from our mental muscle toning libraries at HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com, Toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about my global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced by me, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Andrea Mangeli, Robin Boyd, Andrea Daly, and the awesome team at Podfly Productions, including Eric Begay, Kimberly Beck, and Alec Gus, in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. <laughs>